our traditional mind frames have to turn around and go, okay, they're coming to FFA convention to recruit our students to take jobs with them. What about their conventions? What about their conferences? You know, in agronomy, ag business, why aren't we there with a booth trying to recruit them? Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Alpellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. Welcome Alpellet fans. We are here today to talk to uh, Jeffrey and Christy about a great project that they were working on and uh, I'm sure we'll have a chance to share the stories about how big of a struggle we were in uh, trying to make this work today. But uh, Jeffrey and Christy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So tell, us a little, tell us a little bit about yourselves. All right, well, um, I'm Christy Geffy and I'm a assistant professor at Murray State University in the Hudson School of Ag and I'm also the graduate coordinator. I have a high school uh, teaching experience in a small rural uh, school here in Western Kentucky. And then um, through the course of good luck, However you want to look at it, I ended up working for uh, Kentucky State staff and was a program consultant and ran the FFA camp uh, for several years before coming back into academia. And uh, I've been here since 2019. I get an opportunity to work with the State Teach Ag program and looking at the STAR program and serving on that committee. I'm Jeffrey Young. I'm also an assistant professor in the Hudson School of Ag at Murray State University. My area is agribusiness though. So I teach a lot of the agribusiness classes, a lot of the more technical, statistical and finance classes. I serve as the chief economist for the Murray State Center for Agricultural Hemp. I'm editor of the Journal of Agricultural Hemp Research. And uh, I like to research, I, I enjoy it. And uh, Christy found a very interesting project that uh, we were able to merge our respective skill sets on and uh, eventually get published. That's terrific. We're excited to talk a little bit about that today and uh, share it with our ag teachers uh, about a little bit about what you uh, have learned in that capacity. And and uh, I, I also need to mention that uh, we have Becky Hahad with us today as well. And she's going to have a chance to uh, uh, ask some questions and get engaged in the conversation as well. So, so your article that you uh, published and we're going to talk about today is really about recruitment and retention of ag teachers and uh, looking at the STAR program. So what did you guys study and what did you find out? Well, we first of all, we were really looking at the fact that so Kentucky's been um, in this program for a couple of years now, and we really want to look at, OK, we, we receive $8,000 and we've kind of divvied that up amongst uh, recruitment efforts and retention efforts. And what we really wanted to see is what's happening. Um, is it working? Is it not working? And then looking kind of at other states, those who are in the program and those who are not in the program to identify what's working successfully that maybe can mimic and then what's not working so great that we need to change and work because we've got a problem and we've got to find ways to solve it. And so we've got to look at it in its entirety. And so Jeffrey kind of helped me out a little bit um, to run some of these, uh, to, to run some of the measures to be able to measure that. And so I used his expertise uh, and knowledge coming outside of the education world, because a lot of times we don't really, uh, 
you know, we kind of stick education people stick in their silos. And so kind of going outside kind of helped me to look at things a lot differently. Yeah. So tell us, Jeffrey, a little bit about what you were able to kind of tease out of the data uh, related to this uh, study. Yeah. So what intrigued me was the uh, study design. Basically, it took place, you know, between multiple states, you know, multiple departments of education, and over a period of several years, and in the middle of those years that we saw the data, there was kind of a break to where enrollment in the STAR program happened, but only for some of the states. And so that got my economist mind uh, turning as far as, all right, well, we can compare states before STAR happened, and then some of them enroll, some of them don't. We can compare them after it happens. What's the change in the change, or what's the difference in differences? And I thought that would be a very interesting educational policy question. And when Christy told me that, you know, we're concerned about things like recruitment and retention, and uh, what are the dynamics going on in ag education uh, in the Ohio Valley and the southeastern U.S., which conveniently is where all the data came from, uh, I saw a model that I could design pretty easily. And so we looked at that and we found that uh, star enrollment did increase the number of alternative certified teachers. And Christy can explain more about that. It didn't do much for uh, graduates who remain to teach ag in state. And it also didn't do much for the creation of new positions. And so I think there's some implications we can draw from that. But as far as uh, practical takeaways, that's, that's what I was able to tease out of the data using the model. So this kind of goes back to Christy's point a little bit. You know, she talked about what's working and not. Is, yeah. is the question more who is it working for than is it or not? Well, does it work for the ones that participated is kind of the question. What was the effect of participating in STAR or enrolling in STAR? So I, I, find, I find this interesting and, and, and appreciate the fact that uh, we have some new eyes and different expertise that are really kind of flowing, looking at uh, some of the problems that uh, we in education continually talk about. Um, it, it seems like uh, we, can, we can always talk about teacher retention and teacher recruitment, and we can compare and contrast alternatively certified to traditionally certified teachers, and, and it seems like the conversation is always the same, and we're looking at it through the same lenses, and I appreciated that uh, Jeffrey comes in, and, and Christy's article really focuses on looking at it from a different perspective. And one thing that we probably don't talk much about in ag education is something that you mentioned just a, a little bit ago, Jeffrey, and that's policy. Yeah, uh, we don't we we don't have that policy lens on a lot of times when we talk about ag education, and we're focused more on um, instructional design and and student engagement and leadership and all those other things. So. I'm, I'm curious about, and I think Christy and, and Jeffrey both could probably mention to this, but putting that policy lens on, what does that mean for ag education and, and how do we need to look at, at ag education a little bit differently to maybe move, move the needle a little bit further in this area? Well, I think what we saw when we looked at those that were participating in the number of alt cert. One thing as far as policy goes, whenever a person comes in, let's say that I work for BASF and I've worked for there for 25 years. 
and I'm wanting to, I'm slowly getting to that edge and I'm wanting to kind of slow down. I'm wanting to engage. I find a purpose, wanting to get in the classroom. I come in and I have zero experience and that's how I'm paid. Whereas anywhere else that we look at, you're coming in as an expert in the field with years of experience. And yet we just pretty much dismiss that as a whole. Um, and no, they don't have maybe that pedagogy, but yet they've got a lot more content knowledge and experience. And so looking through the lens of what can we do to one, um, recruit outside of our normal realm. Um, in Kentucky, and I know throughout uh, the STAR program, you know, a lot of the recruitment efforts are looking at college ag ed programs, high school students, state FFA convention. But a lot of these philanthropic wings of these large food and ag businesses are, are sending money directly uh, to this foundation, to this area that's going to promote engagement and education. But some of those funds or separate funds, either way, uh, could, I think, be put to work by endowing positions where someone, in Christie's example, someone who's worked in the industry for 25 years and kind of wants to slow down a little bit, have a change of pace and be more engaged in the community and to, to engage with high school students who want to learn ag and work in ag. Uh, even though it would be a small amount of money, relatively speaking, uh, it should it would still be a daunting figure potentially for some of these schools, especially if they're underfunded or they're in a budget crunch, which is almost all the time. Uh, but to to augment that salary or to provide some kind of signing bonus, uh, that person with the experience who's wanting a change of pace or uh, cadence in life. Uh, could be kind of a representative of that company in the school or even in the school district. And so it's not so much that the company is losing that person, although they are in the full-time sense, but they're keeping them as a representative and a potential recruiter for interns and employees of the kids that are, are studying agriculture and have a passion for agriculture in that area where they're acting as a representative. And so it's more of an investment more than, you know, just a one-time donation out of the philanthropic wing of BASF or Cortiva or whoever. Well, that's, that's a shift, right? That's, that's not just, you know, how are we thinking about where we're recruiting from? That's how we're thinking about valuing experience. That's how we're thinking about just, I, it's, it's a cool process as far as where, where do we bring more folks in as far as Absolutely. this process goes. Where do we, how do we kind of, if we're going to talk about this, ag is everywhere or ag education is everywhere. How do we really embrace that in our partnerships and our relationships? I think the flip side of that would maybe ask then, how do we really provide the support for those folks so that education is a good experience for them as potential, well, as ambassadors of companies or as, you know, folks coming, regardless of that route that they come in, once they're recruited, one of the big things you talked about in your recommendations was that support and we'll talk about balance, I'm guessing here in a little bit too, mm -hmm. but what does that really look like for somebody who's coming in potentially from industry in this type of model for somebody to really be supported in the classroom and supported by the ag ed family? 
Well, and I think this is where, um, for example, with state staff and some of the things, so for in Kentucky, we have a new teacher workshop and that's really great for those new teachers coming out, those 22 year olds to, you know, whatever those, those young students to be able to talk about classroom management and community engagement and stuff. But when somebody who comes in and they have this real world experience and they're coming into that, those things don't necessarily meet their needs exactly. And so looking at to me in my mind, and this might be crazy, but I mean, it's like you got to come up with a mentoring program and some professional development that's not designed for these young students who are just recently coming out of our programs. Um, it, it's really looking at, okay, what are some pedagogy and andragogy that we can implement here, but also too, like how to be successful. What are some mentorships that we can create to help support that staff? I think um, those are some key critical components that you would develop and build in this for those alt cert and those people coming in um, to ensure that they're successful and that we retain them. Absolutely. And I think too, I mean, when we think about that, what that success, it's, it's not necessarily just the success in the actual pedagogy and the teaching. It's also the success in terms of thinking about, you know, you discussed in your recommendations that balance is being really key to retention and I guess my question then is, is where does that fall? Whose job is that balance? Because I think it, sometimes it gets put on the teacher or like, you know, it's anybody who doesn't have it kind of is quick to point, oh, it's the school, it's the person, it's the profession, it's blah, 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 blah. Where, well, where, do we, where do we look? <laughs> yeah, and it's insane. Like during this pandemic, I was like, I am not a good elementary teacher. I will own up to that. I Amen do not, that. I don't need to teach my own kids. It's horrible. Uh, my work-life balance was, was insane, as is every single ag teacher that is out there in the country right now. It, it's, it's been overwhelming. And so to understand work-life balance, I think the big key is, one, nothing is ever completely balanced. I think we always look at the scale this way, right, um, as being, it, it's not. But what we have to do is we have to understand that there are times where life has to take precedence over this. And when you come in outside, trying to understand educational lingo, understand pedagogy, lesson plans, classroom management, those kind of things. Those are some tough pills to swallow in that realm. And I think that it cannot lie on one individual piece. I think state staff has to come up with some opportunities to create some life uh, work-life balance, some tools and measurements that can help. I think also too, uh, Team Ag Ed, you know, your university staff report, again, finding ways to help. How can we help you? And I think it's our job on this end to be continually looking for those support mechanisms to help create that balance. That's how we're going to change that and shift that paradigm of people dropping out pretty quickly. Jeffrey, have you seen differences, especially kind of thinking about your background in business? I think a lot of times we kind of sent, we, we say exactly what we just heard as far as like, Ag teachers are overworked. This balance is really hard. We're, we're not the only ones balance is hard for. So as we're thinking about this, are there lessons that folks are going to come in with in terms of your model and thinking about, you know, industry ambassadors coming in? Are there also ways that we can think about then what they bring in in terms of maybe what they've, they've gained in that experience and how we value maybe their experience of, of that balance piece? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't discussed explicitly in the paper, but, you know, from my experience working in the private sector, uh, people who have industry experience are going to emphasize 
different things than uh, people who have gone through a traditional ag education program. You know, if you compare the two, the, the teacher, the traditional, traditionally educated teacher is going to emphasize things that are listed in requirements and tests and uh, practicums and you know, the, the rules, what's on the list, basically. Uh, whereas the people who come in from industry, they're going to say, you know, when I started at my job, I wish I had known X, or I wish the interns we have brought in year after year for the last decade were better at Y, or I wish, you know, people would tell students that they need to know how to do Z. And so they, they'll know what is in demand from the industry for these kids who are wanting to enter the industry. And so that's what they're going to emphasize, even if that doesn't always mesh, and I imagine it won't, with what's on the list or what's on the test, you know? So it's, it's definitely unconventional. And at points, it may even just, you know, outright butt heads with uh, what's uh, recommended or what's required. But they're coming at it with a, here's a problem in the business. How do we solve that problem in the business? Give these kids who want to enter the business the tools they need in order to do so. So I think there is a difference. You're right. And I think, too, if we take a little bit more of the business, you know, like design thinking, you know, where, where we come together at take design thinking in the terms of how do we balance, how do we do that? We come into it as a group to brainstorm, idolize, and then, and then solve that. Then hopefully that helps those team ag eds in the high schools when you got multi-teacher departments. And if you don't have a multi-teacher department, then you, then you rely on other CTE career and tech ed programs to kind of help come together to weigh out that balance along with the support mechanisms coming from outside as well. And as you, as you think about overall programming and we, we think about the STAR program and what, what recommendations for state staff or for people that are, are working within that program and, and delivering um, professional development uh, what, what recommendations do you have for that type of program based upon some of these findings or maybe even some of your own experiences with it? For me personally, I think really it, it's changing that mindset that recruitment is just for state FFA convention and high school students and we want all of them to be teach ag and, and wear the banners. And I think that those things are great. Please do not. I'm, I'm a part of it. Yeah. But we've got to stop. I mean, this People are not staying in jobs long term. They're shifting out, shifting back in, doing this. And so our traditional mind frames have to turn around and go, okay, they're coming to FFA convention to recruit our students to take jobs with them. What about their conventions? What about their conferences? You know, in agronomy, Agbis, why aren't we there with a booth trying to recruit them? But we're going to have to find ways to supplement that. So looking at how can we intersect CHS and Corteva and some of those companies to look at maybe an endowment or help sign on bonuses. I mean, when I'm coming from industry and I'm coming in, I mean, I know there's going to be a pay cut, but Jeffrey shared with me some of the salaries. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no way. And so that's, yeah. what, you know, they can't I mean, compete. We can't compete. Right. So what are some things we can do? Because if you're truly supportive of ag education and you really get it, you really get it, you're going to put your money where your mouth is and you're going to 
help us find ways to do some really cool stuff, whether it's an endowment, looking at your future company and how you can recruit and train, or you're looking at that opportunity to, to place somebody in there that's going to do an excellent job and, and help fund them. You know, Mike that, already warned me we were at 17 minutes, but on that vein, like there's, is, is there some onus for education as well, as far as, you know, there's the policy piece and where can we ask companies to kind of step up and support this, but what about the policy piece as far as education being as easy to enter as it is to leave or as easy as it is to go another route? Now, I do the master's program here and, you know, <laughs> I have people coming in, you know, that have ag degrees, veterinary technician degrees, and they want to teach. And I'm like, oh, sorry, you've got about, I don't know, a year and a half to be able to get there. We're going to have to look at proficiency measures to be able to expedite them to get them a certification. And I think by ensuring that they come in maybe with something else other than this alt cert, I think that's an opportunity where they could, that's where we play a role in, in uh, University Ag Ed. That's where we create our model, we get it approved by state, and then this is the way that you enter. If, if you're outside, this is another way you can enter that will then help that pay scale. And if we can get that uh, degrees of service for what you've done or years of, um, of experience in there, I think we're going to have a lot better opportunities um, to be able to get people to come on in. We've got to figure out a faster track. We've got to get out of our own heads and space of like, no, this is how it's got to be. Um, you know, it just doesn't work. I mean, we got to change with the times and realize that we've got to find a faster measure to get people in and get them certified. And we can do it. You can fast track anything if we just get out of our own way. You know, I think I think those are some great points. And I think it's a multi-pronged approach that we need to think about. And, and there's a role on the education side and, and what we can do as educators and, and uh, uh, individuals that are preparing the next generation of teachers. But I think there is a business and industry side. And, and when as you, as you talked about that, at times, that's a conversation I have with some of our industry partners is um, they, they too appreciate our ag ed graduates and will quite often hire them and take advantage of that. So how can they help us prepare future ag teachers and also potential employees for them and, and kind of help us backfill that, that gap that happens because uh, they, they sure appreciate our best and brightest as well. So, so we got some work and some relationships that we certainly can build in, in that capacity to, and also help some of them after they've been in that career for a while to transition back into uh, teaching as well um, and, and help us kind of figure out avenues and venues to make that work. And then we can certainly work on our education side as well. But Christy and Jeffrey, this was a, a great conversation and a, and a great discussion today. And uh, I really certainly appreciate that perspective and that different, uh, different way of thinking at the, the same problems that we continue to scratch our heads on and, and try to solve those. So thank you for joining us today and, and sharing your perspectives on, uh, on our recruitment and retention challenges in, in ag education. Thank you for having us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets 
tips for ag teachers.